Hello, sister friends and other guests. Welcome to Her Path Radio, a program dedicated to helping women on their journey to find their purpose, inspire the greatness, seek transformative change, and inspire hope. We are committed to uplifting our sisters and helping them live their best life. We are excited to introduce you to influential sisters from around the world who will share their journey and inspire us all to reach our purpose while uplifting our communities. But first, a bit about us. I am Karen Jones, one of the co-hosts of Her Path Radio podcast. I retired from my 33-year career as a chemist in the pharmaceutical industry to focus on bringing diversity to STEM careers. And as an entrepreneur, co-founded a nonprofit STEM program called Chocolate Chips Association, where we focus on exposing, inspiring, and empowering young girls, where I now serve as the executive director and CEO. And I am Lenita Sim Spears, the other co-host of Her Path Radio podcast. I've been a regulatory and compliance professional in the medical device and pharma industry for over 35 years and recently pivoted my law practice to focus on compliance startup businesses with a particular focus on supporting women entrepreneurs. Both Karen and I are dedicated to providing this forum where women empower women. <laughs> exactly. And yes, some people still ask, why a new podcast? Aren't there too many out there today? And our response to that is no. <laughs> there can never be too many forums where women empower other women. There are so many women who are just beginning their journey and designing or redesigning their destiny. There's always a need for platforms like this to share experiences and knowledge and to be encouragement for our sisters. That's right. Encouragement is the key. And today, after this quick break, we will introduce our sister friends to a powerful woman who does just that. Hey, Lanita, this is our third podcast, and I am so excited to use this forum to highlight women business owners doing great things to support their community. Today, we are highlighting one of our favorite entrepreneurs, Sherelle Reed, the owner of Bell Ayana Boutique. She's not only a business owner, she's a 20 plus year Navy veteran, a paralegal, mentor, and mom, who still finds time to provide support to other minority and veterans who aspire to start their own business. That's right, Karen. And her clothing and jewelry items are simply beautiful. As a small veteran-owned business and certified vendor of Greek letter organizations, they are motivated companies specializing in, but of course not limited to, gifts and accessories. Bellayana believes passionately in great bargains and excellent service, which is why they commit themselves to giving their customers the best of both. So if anyone's looking for something new, Bellayana is the right place. Owner Sherelle Reed offers her customers something they want, putting their desires at the top of her priority list. So remember, sister friends, if you are in need of beautiful and unique clothing, jewelry, or other custom accessories for any and all occasions, please contact your new sister friend, Sherelle Reed and Belliana by phone at 224-436-2145 or her storefront at 2835 Belvedere Road, Suite 210 in Waukegan, Illinois, or by her website at www 
Bell Ayana, B-E-L-L-E dash A-Y-A-N-A dot com. And remember to tell her or her staff you heard about them on Her Path Radio. Thanks, sister friends. Welcome back. I am excited to introduce a phenomenal woman and speaker in her own right, my friend, Kimberly Hobson Gary. She currently leads Illinois' largest hospice and palliative care organization, serving over 1,500 patients across 13 counties in Northern Illinois. And her path to getting there is one you will find inspiring. (laughs) That's right, Lenita. I am looking forward to hearing Kimberly's journey her current role as a senior executive, where she provides transformational leadership across the healthcare area. She is a co- collaborative leader who easily balances the strategic and operational requirements of an organization and sees obstacles as opportunities for positive change. So sister friends, get your notebooks ready. We are here to learn today. Yes, we are. Welcome, Kimberly. Thank you so much for joining us. Tell our listeners a little bit about you. Well, hello, my name is Kimberly Hobson, and I will tell you who I am and then um, what I do. Uh, First and foremost, I am a woman of faith. I am married to Reverend Dwayne Gary. We have four adult children and three grandchildren. I have been in the healthcare industry uh, for nearly 30 years now. And I tell you, I believe that I have found my purpose there um, and I have been able to serve in a way uh, that I feel I'm led to do. Love it, love it, love it. We are so happy, Ms. Kimberly, to have you with us today. I, we know that our audience is gonna be so inspired for all you're gonna share. So I'm gonna start with the first question. What was the trigger that let you know that this is it, that you had identified your purpose? Yeah, you know, I I think it was pretty clear to me. Um, After I stayed home with my children many years, it was time for me to go back to work. And I I started to look for that job and I I didn't quite know what that job was. And so I just started to look for things that just jumped out on the page for me. And I tell you, I landed a job in healthcare and uh, it was with Humana Health Plan. And I tell you, I, I felt like that was the trigger because I actually felt natural in this role. It felt so natural for me to serve the underserved community uh, in the area of healthcare, to to develop and execute programs, to help their healthcare be better. And so it was, it became a natural thing for me and it didn't feel like work anymore. Wow, that sounds fantastic, I love it. So given what you do, and the nature of it, it, which sounds very broad and very dynamic. I wonder if you could share with us something people seem to misunderstand about who you are and what you do. Wow, when I think about that question, that, I think it's loaded, but let's see if we can, if we can get to it. Um, what do I feel people might misunderstand about healthcare? Um, I believe in many instances, people think that healthcare and those that um, work in the healthcare industry just wanna make sure that we can provide services to to bill for the services and to be paid for the services. But I'm gonna tell you what people might misunderstand is that myself, and I think many other healthcare professionals, we do the work that we do because we want to serve others. I want to serve others. And I wonder if people sometimes uh, misunderstand that working in healthcare is, 
is sometimes I would say can be a calling. And that calling for me uh, is very, very personal. And I wonder sometimes if that is, is not understood. And that's a good question too. So I'm excited about that. But the question I want to ask, because you are a strong black female that's mm-hmm. in an environment that I'm sure may not have a lot of diversity in that area. And I'm sure people always ask you those type of questions, but I'm going to ask it this way. <laughs> what does being unapologetically black mean to you? Ah, You know what? Being unapologetically black means to me is just being who I am. And you're, you're absolutely right. In many instances, I find myself in the room and there is either no one that looks like me or there's very few people that look like me. And so being unapologetically black means for me to be exactly who I am, no matter who's in the room, no matter what's being talked about, I am going to represent the Kimberly Hobson that I am and the black Kimberly Hobson Gary that I am. And so that's what it means to me is to not being ashamed of who I am and executing on the same on work the same kind of way no matter who's sitting in the room. Absolutely, at the highest degree that you can. Both Karen and I come out of corporate environments and we absolutely know what that means because what we know that is often unspoken is that the diaspora that is black people is wide and vast. And not all of us who are of, who are of the same complexion are of the same high caliber work ethic or the like or uh, need any additional support. So I respect that, uh, Kimberly, and all that you do, and thank you for representing incredibly well. So as we move to our next question, uh, speaking of that, what types of roadblocks, whether they were because you are a woman, because you are a Black woman, um, because of whatever preconceived notions people may come with to you, what types of roadblocks have you encountered along your path, and how did you break through them? You know, I think the biggest roadblock for me as I've journeyed through my my career has been just in many instances having to prove yourself over and over and over again in a in a very different way than people that don't look like me. And so some of those roadblocks are, you know, do you really really understand uh, you know, what we want? Do you really understand how to do it? And so having to prove yourself just over and over and over again, I think has been my biggest roadblock. I think the way that you address those things though, is we cannot allow those roadblocks to frustrate us. We've got to continue to execute on the work that we do as we hit those roadblocks. And so proving who I am has been a huge, and what I can do as a woman, but more importantly, as a black woman, what can you do? And proving that, I just continue to move forward with who I am, you guys. Don't, you can't allow those roadblocks to really, really stop you and to define you. Absolutely. Wow. Just love it. Just love it. Wow. So my next question for you is that, what was that one experience, whether taking on this role or in your personal life that impacted you in ways that you did not expect? How did you react to it? How did you learn? What did you learn from that experience? Experiences. I tell you, there have been so many. But when I think about experiences that have really, really impacted me and how it made me feel, um, how it impacted who I am, I really can think about the experience I had of 
serving the underserved community on the south side of Chicago. That, has, that was an experience for me. For 17 years, I worked at University of Chicago, but more importantly, the work that I did there, 11 of those years, was doing, uh, developing and executing programs to improve health of residents on the south side of Chicago. And when I think about serving that underserved community that I grew up in, it made a very big difference for me because I felt it personally. I really felt it personally. And it gave me a passion for that work mm -hmm. that I never knew that I even had inside of me. But I was determined to, to execute on my work, but to serve the community that I grew up in and the community that was underserved in a very, very special way. And being able to push the organization and strive with that organization to say, there is a need in the community on the South side of Chicago. And to get that organization to say, you're absolutely right. And we're gonna dedicate resources to that. That is, there's something to be said for that. Wow, absolutely it is. When you look at uh, life and pivotal moments where you are able to affect that level of change. And I'm certain there were metrics and all kinds of analyses that went along oh, yeah. with that uh, so that you can actually see the fruits of that labor uh, because we definitely know, and it's been certainly seen as we've dealt with uh, COVID-19 that our communities as uh, communities of color have suffered and the highlight of all of it is the disparities in healthcare uh, for us. Um, so let me ask, is there a particular situation that transformed you, your thought around it or brought it to light that you share with others a learning lesson from it? A learning lesson from it, absolutely. When I think about um, the experiences that I just talked about, um, what I have come to know is that you have to execute on what you believe. You really have to mm -hmm. act upon what you believe. Mm -hmm. You cannot let situations and circumstances, you know, figure out who you are. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And so as women, we have to know I am who I am. Absolutely. And we really have to look at opportunities to be able to, um, to bring to fruition who you really are. For me, I would say that, again, those roadblocks that you come up against, if you continue to be who you are and not be afraid to, to talk about who you are, to talk about what the needs are in whatever circumstances you might be in, I tell you, people will get where you are if where you're going is the right place. Absolutely, absolutely. And I recall, um, uh, as I said at the top of the hour, you are a good friend of mine. I remember you sharing a wonderful learning lesson because part of what we do is we have to educate others. I wish we did it. But every day as we move forward, we need to educate others who may see us differently or see people that look like us differently. And I recall you telling the story of an education you had to give to a physician about why people of color don't necessarily go to their primary care all the time. They, they, they live their lives uh, as the emergency room serving in that in that capacity can you and i can't remember all the details but if you could tell that story i think our listeners will gain some some insight into what you have to do to educate 
Yeah, the part of the work that I, I've done in my career has been um, connecting patients that uh, frequent the emergency room and, you know, connecting them back to primary care. So many times um, people that look like us on the south side of Chicago have spent lots of time um, coming to the emergency room and using the emergency room as their primary care physician. And so what we wanted to do is make sure that we get patients back to their primary care physician because research tells us that if you get back to your primary care physician and you start to get your care there, you're going to impact and improve your health long-term. And so we had physicians in the emergency room and they said, why don't people, they know they have a primary care physician, why don't they go there? And so what we had to do- That was quite pejorative, wasn't it? Absolutely. (laughs) We actually had to say, why don't we go to our primary care physician as opposed to our emergency room? And when we started to ask those questions, Lanita, it helped us to realize that there was a lack of education there. People needed to be educated around why it's important to go and see their primary care physician because you get consistent care as opposed to getting episodic care when you go to the emergency room. And so, but we also found out that we didn't necessarily just need to educate um, the patients we also needed to educate the physicians because they had not experienced life the way we had as you know, as African-Americans or as people of color on the South side of Chicago. So we actually, I actually had to educate physicians to say people, they are a product of their environment. And so if your environment says you get sick and you go to the emergency room, then that's what you do. But if your environment doesn't say that, then you don't do that. And so I was able to educate physicians to say, education is about why you go to your primary care physician is the reason why people are going to make a change. And that making that change was a behavioral change and not just us telling people that that's what they needed to do. So not just educating patients, we also had to educate physicians around how you, how you make behavioral changes and how you impact behavioral changes. It's really, it, it was just an amazing time in my career. And I think when you look at, um, when you embark upon challenges like that in your career, if you want, again, once again, continue to move forward and continue to educate and continue to, to talk about what you believe in, it really, it, it pans out at the end of the day. Love it, love it, love it. So from all that you've experienced personally and professionally, what is your best advice, suggestion for making the world a better place, if you could? What would that suggestion be? Wow, Um, that's a loaded question. But I tell you, my suggestion would be no matter what circumstances you're in or no matter what circumstances I'm in, trust the process. That's really a huge thing for me. Anybody in the world you got to trust the process sometimes because sometimes as you're going through the process, you don't understand why things are happening the way that they're happening. You don't understand what you're going to encounter several steps ahead. But in many instances, when you trust the process, you find that on the other side of that is something good, but you really do have to go through the process to get through the process. So if you trust the process, you continue to move one, put one foot in front of the other, and you 
you, you use the knowledge, the experience that you have. When you get to the other end, you will find that you've, you've gotten exactly where you need to go. It's kind of a faith thing, you know? You've got to believe in the things that are not as if they were. Oh, wow. You know, that resonates with us. Uh, love <laughs> it. Absolutely, you do. And, and part of that process, and that translates into whatever discipline you're in, whatever industry you're in. If you are a mom uh, doing uh, at home with your kids, uh, which a lot of us have been uh, through the pandemic uh, with a greater appreciation for our educators uh, outside of that. But what we want to be able to do is look at whatever that method me uh, methodology methodology is for you, whatever it is that process is for you, and make sure you're defining that, which is all about what we are, right? Defining or redefining your purpose, aspiring to that greatness, embracing that transformative change, and inspiring that hope in others, as you're doing with us here today. Kimberly, this is so fantastic. Thank you so much for, for that. It is, it is really something. So uh, given that, uh, and, and we're always on that path, Mm -hmm. What keeps you encouraged? What has been the most salient thing or thing that you do, mantra that you say, that keeps you encouraged on your journey as you discover your path to living your destiny? What keeps me encouraged? You know, I think a couple of things, but let me say more than one thing, if I will. One thing that has kept, that keeps me encouraged is that I am true to myself. I am true to myself. And I think it just encompasses everything that we just talked about, that no matter what you, what you encounter, no matter where you're going, we have to be true to ourselves mm -hmm. and talk about the things that we truly believe in, no matter what environment you're in or whatever. So being true to myself has been really, really an encouragement for me. I also have found that relationships with my girlfriends, uh, let me just say that. I think that sometimes, even though you're in, you know, these professional roles and we're moving through our careers and we're raising our families and we have husbands and boyfriends and all of those things, mm -hmm. there is nothing better than, than my relationships with my girlfriends and with other professional women mm -hmm. that have encouraged me along the way and other women that I have been put in the position to be able to encourage them. And so that's been very, very um, enlightening for me. And I, I just believe that this, this path that you, that you ladies are on, we've gotta, we've gotta make sure that we don't lose sight of our girlfriends and our professional friends. But I also just believe that I am encouraged by um, just following my path, following my dream, and addressing it in any way that I have to um, with, the, with the end goal mm -hmm. of, of, um, of reaching uh, where I believe I should be in my career. Oh my gosh, that is just so powerful. We uh, cannot forsake the gathering of women among women. There is an energy that we give to one another, a kindred spirit that always undergirds everything. Wouldn't you agree with that, Karen? So true, so true. And if, in fact, again, we have between our book club, between some women are in sororities, you know, between our other girl groups as well, too. Again, and church. for me, and, and church as well. Church is a big part yeah. of it. Mm -hmm. You know, again, just have an opportunity to share because sometimes you need to share with someone at either time for venting mm -hmm. or somebody give you that feedback. And, and I don't mean just having a, a yes friend. 
Oh, yeah. Just to say Absolutely. yes to everything. That's not what it's all about, right? Mm-mm. Someone's going to challenge you and ask those key questions you need to have to say, is this really the right move for me? Mm-hmm. And that's so key. And I really thank you for all you have shared today. It's been fantastic. I have one thing that I always want to know sometimes is that, you know, what is the one question that you wish an interview would have asked you but did not? What's the one thing that you think that we may, we could have asked something that you really wanted to share? That one question, what would that be? Why did you accept the role that you are currently in? Ah, mm-hmm. so that's a good question. So what's the answer? I love that question. I'm gonna give a little, <laughs> ah. I mean, I love that answer. I'm gonna give a little <laughs> lay around that before. <laughs> Uh, fill in the blanks for us because you know uh, and you're right that would have been a great question to ask because what we know is that when you get to uh, what the assumption is by some is that you never are able to turn down a job that if they offer you a promotion at work you accept that promotion unequivocally and that's what you do when you move forward the reality is you control that you can decide if you're ready for that and it shouldn't just be based on uh, money. And I know you'll elaborate on that. You need to make sure that it's in the swath of your destiny, whatever that is, which is why it's so important to really do some self-actualization. But tell us, why did you take that role and how did you make that decision? Great question, Karen. (laughs) Wow, Karen and Lanita, you both Um, just added something to, and made me think about this in a very different way than I even thought about it when I said that was the question (laughs) that I was hoping I would be asked. But I tell you, the reason that I took the role that I am in now, I had been in a role for 17 years. I certainly thought that I would retire and ride off into the sunset um, from, you know, my, my 17 year stint at University of Chicago. But I tell you, I went over to Journey Care two years ago Um, but I didn't go over as the CEO. I went over as the chief operating officer. And it's very interesting because Lenita, something that you said made so much sense. This company had tried to recruit me two times prior to me taking the role. And when they tried to recruit me, it just wasn't the right job. And so it wasn't a matter of, like you said, just taking the job because it might be more money or it might be whatever. I just said, no, it was not the right job for me. Mm -hmm. But when that third time, three times a charm, right? The third time, the role was, I felt was absolutely the next step in my career was for me to run operations or to run an operation of the organization. Uh And so because of that, I had to do a lot of soul searching though, because again, I had been somewhere for 17 years and I was certainly looking at retiring from there. But I tell you, I had to do what I talked about just a few moments ago. I had to step out on faith and say, this is the right place for you to be. And so I did it. And it has been, I have never looked back. Um, I have been able to come in. I was a COO for a while. And the real place that God had for me was in this current role as the CEO that I took over 12 weeks after I entered the Uh, entered that first role. Mm -hmm. And so I took that role because I really felt like it was right for me. But I do think we have to be careful about just taking the next role because it's offered to us. Mm -hmm. It really should be the right role Mm -hmm. and it should be the natural next step in our career. Absolutely, it should, which means the onus is on us to do that prospective look 
right? We want to look forward, uh, not necessarily planning, but certainly evaluating where we're headed, whether it's our career or for our families or uh, philanthropically, whatever it is, because you, uh, my mantra, if you stay ready, you never have to get ready. And so looking forward to that next opportunity, whatever it might be, you're always readying yourself so that as that opportunity presents itself, you, it's not as daunting. It truly is a decision in your hands about whether it's the next step in your career or not. So thank you so much, Kimberly. Yeah. Lanita, can I add one thing? Of course. You just, I mean, you mentioned that we needed to make sure that we stay ready. So I just like to, to talk about uh, or to mention a quote that I um, heard years and years ago, maybe 20 or 30 years ago. And I tell you, I still use it to the day. And it's not my original quote, so I won't use it. It was from Les Brown. And I remember reading somewhere uh, 20, 25 years ago. And, and Les Brown's quote was, act like what you want to be. Yeah. So when the opportunity presents itself, you will already be there. Mm-hmm. Love it. Love yeah. it. Love it. Love it. Love it. Well, it's Kimberly. Thank you so incredibly much for joining us. Uh, before we let you scoot away to all of your wonderful CEO activities, <laughs> what, we, what we do with our, our guests is we ask them, given everything we've talked about and all the, the, the challenging and, and questions that we've asked uh, of you probing, what are the one or two takeaways that you'd like to leave our audience with today? What are the two key elements maybe that came out of that discussion that you would say, if you didn't hear anything else I said, keep these two things top of mind? One is one that I've already mentioned, but I'm going to say it again because it's so incredibly important to me, and that is trust the process. Ladies, we have to trust the process. Sometimes we want to dictate everything and we want to make sure that we think we know it all. If we trust the process, oh my gosh, you will come out of this thing uh, with shining stars. The other thing I didn't mention, but I want to talk about as it relates to women, self-care is very important. Mm -hmm. And I know that has, you know, that doesn't have a lot to do with journey care and University of Chicago and this role and that role. But I tell you, if you take good care of yourself, it will make you better for your family, for your career, for your church, and anything else you might embark upon in your life. So ladies, let's trust the process and let's take very good care of ourselves. Yeah. Right on. Thank you so much, Kimberly. Well, this has been a really great discussion with our guests. She shared some awesome takeaways that I'm sure everyone has learned from, and we'd love to hear from you about it. Please send us your thoughts and comments, as well as any recommendations for speakers that you may have and topics that you'd like to hear. We're all about women empowering women. Isn't that right, Karen? <laughs> yes, Lady. <laughs> Join us each month as we continue designing our destiny and inspire others to do the same. We'll connect with you next time. Thank you, sister friends. 